Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Black British Lives Matter, the podcast. I'm Lenny Henry. And I'm Marcus Ryder. Now, this is the podcast where we explore why and how Black British Lives Matter, acknowledging and dealing with the racism we face, but wanting to go far deeper than that, exploring what it means to be black and British, our culture, our joy and our pain, and building on our book, Black British Lives Matter, available now in all good bookshops. Marcus, tell us what you've been up to and what have we in store today? Well, Lenny, I understand that you've been in Birmingham filming your new ITV drama series, Three Little Birds, about the Windrush generation and when they first came to the UK. While you've been doing that, I met with two amazing people to record a podcast episode on Black British mental health matters. Wallan, Wallan, I'm just going to overlook the fact that you couldn't wait for me to record that episode. Black mental health is an issue very close to my heart and it's personal for me. So let me know about the episode you recorded without me. I obviously missed you. But I have to confess, Good. <laughs> but I have to confess it was quite an emotional episode. It also felt really important. Three black people, including myself, talking about our mental health, our communities and the struggles of being black in Britain today. Uh, who were the guests? Well, they were. First, I had the award-winning actor star of stage and screen, David Harewood. Uh, David has spoken out before about his own struggles with mental health, hasn't he? Including being sectioned under the Mental Health Act following a psychotic episode after he graduated from drama school. And he talks about it in detail in his recently published memoir, Maybe I Don't Belong Here. Okay, that's a top podcast guest. Good shout. And the second guest who you should also be familiar with was Marvereen Cole. Okay, this is another amazing person who I know. She actually wrote the essay on why Black British mental health matters for the book, and she made an award-winning documentary for Radio 4's Black Girls Don't Cry. Okay, that's another brilliant guest. Excellent. You know when you're not around, I make sure I get pure quality guests, Lenny. What does that mean for the guests you get when we do the show together? Anyway, sounds like an amazing lineup, even if I wasn't there. So how did it go? It was really special, and like I said, a little emotional in parts. Take a listen. David Harewood, Marvereen Cole, welcome to Black British Lives Matter, the podcast, and more specifically, Black British Mental Health Matters. David, mm. I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your mental health journey and why you felt it was important to share that with the world. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I mean I'm lucky I, d- I got a, an opportunity to share it with the world because I I, I don't think it, had I not have revisited my um, my uh, psychosis um, that that I suffered nearly thirty years ago, 
uh, in a BBC Two documentary, um, Psychosis is Me. Had I not have revisited that documentary, I probably wouldn't be the person I am today. I think it was revisiting that um, in that documentary and sort of uncovering and really giving serious thoughts to the person and the environment I grew up in as a child that has really sort of precipitated this whole sort of rethink and um, re, re kind of getting to know um, my, my younger self. I think I buried all of that trauma and pain and was sort of skirting along, superficially skirting along. But it was only, you know, through doing the documentary and writing the book that they really gave serious thought to growing up in a place where you were, as a child, constantly told to go back to where you came from and grew up at a time, and it's difficult to sort of understand this now, but growing up at a time when the Black and White Minstrel Show was regular, popular Saturday night entertainment, where there were very few images of black beauty, of black excellence. Um, And I think... You know, looking back on that, I think that had, and at the same time, me trying to just fit in and assimilate and just become British, become English, even though at the same time, England was sort of continually rejecting me. I think that had some sort of collateral damage, which sort of all came out um, when I came out of drama school and you know, having after two years fantasizing that I was going to be sort of playing, maybe up for Bond and, you know, playing leading roles and, 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 uh, playing the hero and, uh, you know, kind of rather, rather, uh, probably naively thinking that my color didn't matter. Uh, I was really rather ha- harshly reminded upon leaving that it did matter and was really treated rather awfully by uh, reviewers and newspapers. And and uh, I think a lot of that old trauma came back, and that led to my breakdown. So I don't know whether that answers your question, but, I mean, it is. it has been uh, a 30-year a, a journey, which has accelerated in the last five years, but... I think having been through that trauma and pain, renegotiated that trauma and pain in the last four or five years, I do feel in a better position. I feel much stronger as a as a as a as a man, as an individual, as a black man. I've still got some ways to go, but I, I feel as though revisiting that and changing my relationship to my early trauma has made me a stronger person. Marvereen, um, the title of your award-winning radio documentary was Black Girls Don't Cry. And so that kind of implies a, a strength that black women have, or maybe they don't have. Ex- explain to me the, the title, what it means, Black Girls Don't Cry, and why you picked that title, and a little bit about your documentary. For me, the title of that documentary was a really obvious one, because um, I'd always had a lot of friends through the years go to me, oh, Marverine, you know, you're you're really strong, you're independent, you can get through anything. Um, 
Um, and then in my early 20s, I had like um, a culmination of life occurrences. I was seeing somebody who obviously was not right for me, but the breakup of that relationship, you know, sent me into quite a, a spiral of despair and I'd not long moved out of the family home where I was with my mum and I was living my own for the first time. And I also got made redundant from my job. <laughs> so those three all kind of this, this kind of cyclone of happenings um, sent me on a, on a track of depression for the first time. And it just clicked in my head. Let me make, let me try and make a documentary about this to explore the issue around um, these stereotypes, not just strong black woman, you know, sassy, independent, or you're kind of hypersexualized, all these kind of really ridiculous, over the top um, prejudices about us as black women. I tried to explore that. Um, and also. And do you think these stereotypes directly impact our mental health? Without a doubt, without a doubt, because, um, you know, the, even when I think about. Like I say, the, the fact that lots of my friends go, oh, Marvin, you're so strong, you know, you can get over this. That almost in itself, you know, their, their vision of me in their head has an impact on me and how I react to situations. So when I was really down back in the early noughties, you know, around that cyclone in my life, it was actually really difficult for me to admit to my friends that I'm having a bad time here. Um, I'm crying every night. I'm drinking way too much. Um, and I'm I'm afraid to even admit to you that I'm going through this because you see me as the strongest woman in our pack, in our group of friends. You know, if I crumble, what are you going to do? So I felt like I couldn't really admit it to anybody, let alone myself. And that does have an impact because if you're holding everything in, you're holding all those feelings in, then... Obviously, there's a time where they're just going to build up and build up and they're just going to burst out like a geezer and goodness knows what happens. Um, and for me, it was it took a lot of bravery even to talk to my GP about what I was going through. Um, so I was prescribed, you know, antidepressants. It took a lot to, to, to speak to my best friend about what was going on um, to get over that hurdle of shh, shouldn't say anything going to handle it all on my own, going to work it out myself, which is what a lot of black women still do. Um, and you see some, I mean, I've seen some data about, you know, the numbers of not just black women, black people just leaving work, right, because of the effects of racism and the, and the mental health issues that that, that, that throws up um, because of burnout. People are just, you know, those geezers are blowing all over, <laughs> all over the okay. nation, right? Um, so I want to I want to talk to you both about because you've just talked about Marv about the fact that you um, didn't talk to friends, and so David Marvin, you've both been very open and honest, and you know I would use the word brave in talking about the uh, you know the issues that you've had with um, your mental health. Do you think there's still a stigma when it comes to black people talking about mental health in the black community? I'll go to David first. I think there is, yeah. I think there is massively. Well, there's a stigma around black people, and as Marvin said, of, of, of showing signs of vulnerability, weakness. We've got to be strong. Historically, we've had to be 
the strong one in the pack, you know, and, and any, any sign of, um, of vulnerability, weakness is, is seen as somehow, or can be seen, sometimes is seen as sort of letting the side down, as it were. And, 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 um, just what Marvereen was, 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 was saying that, you know, people think she's the strongest person in the pack. You know, there's a similar thing with, with, with guys, you know, a lot of black men are, Terrified of being vulnerable, terrified of of uh, showing that that side of themselves because uh, it, it it is you know it has historically been seen as a as a sign of weakness. And yet, since um, doing my documentary and since I'm sure Marvin's had the same um, uh, experience, the amount of black people who stop you in the street and just say thank you. Thank you for uh, being honest. Thank you for showing that we're human. Thank you for um, a- allowing us to be vulnerable. Because this sort of, you know, people, I'm, I'm amazed at how many times people, Caucasian people, <laughs> I, hate to say, I hate to say that to white people, but white people, how many, how many times they just say, oh, just get over it. Just get over it. Just ignore it. And that is, it's like a death by a thousand cuts when you're dealing, when you're in that office environment or you're in that environment and people are, you know, whether it's, oh, you got a nice tan today or, oh, can I touch your hair? And, oh, you look so this or, oh, you look so, and and you, you sort of just try and ignore it, but you do try and ignore it, but it just starts to eat away at your, sense of um of well, i don't know what word to use it but it just starts to really piss you off and uh undermine your sense of what's right and wrong and you know even the struggle of even bringing this up is going to bring an avalanche of denialism an avalanche of sort of how dare you and the minute you go into that world you're just always nearly always on a losing wicked because if they don't have the empathy uh and sensitivity to understand that it is affecting you you're certainly not going to convince them of that because they just don't see it so it's a very tough place to to be but i i know black people have thanked me for opening up and particularly older black people have thanked me which has been extraordinary because my dad never talked about racism even though i asked him to talk about racism he just would not go there. And I now know that was just part because he just was just too upset. It was just too upsetting for him to talk about. You know, the racism that I grew up in was bad enough, but getting off the boat in Southampton and, you know, getting <laughs> heading up to London in the 60s and late 50s, they, they must have experienced some horrendous examples of in your face racism that that I don't think they would really ever want to revisit. And you know what, David, just talking about um your parents coming off the boat, you know, my mum and dad also came they came from the Caribbean uh, in the 50s to um the West Midlands. Um and what they also brought in coming to the motherland in inverted commas was I'm sure some absorption of that kind of um 
British stiff upper lip. Absolutely. Keep your head down, get on with it. Nobody quarrel, nobody fuss and fight, right? Mm. Which is kind of um, what my mum always espoused. I mean, her famous um, quote to us is, keep yourself quiet. At, at, At this point, I think it's only responsible for me to point out that even if you might not feel that you're in a safe environment to talk about it publicly, in the way that um, both of you have done in, you know, in, a, in amazing capacities. Um, there is help out there. And I think totally. all of us would, you know, recommend everybody um, to get help. And, you know, the, one of those stats which depresses me is despite the higher prevalence of mental um, health issues in the black British community, we are half as likely to actually seek help from medical professionals, you know, less than less than half. Mm. And so I think it's important to uh, tell people that there is help out there and that we do need to seek it, you know, even if it might not be, quote-unquote, safe environment to share that experience with within the office or even um, wider society. You know, we might not feel comfortable in doing that, despite the fact that what the pair of you have done has been absolutely amazing. I mean, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of work recently <clears throat> speaking, you know, with particularly in the banking sector, which I think they've done extremely well in in making therapists available, uh, or, or, or at least making some sort of counselling available in the structure of the of of the institution, because they work in very high pressure environments, and I think whereas before it, it was, I think they, even they would admit, seen as a sign of weakness to talk about your mental health, it no longer is. And I think it is now encouraged that if you are feeling stress, that, you know, you should go to some form of counselling. So, you know, I think there are moves, there are institutions that are, you know, are encouraging people to talk about their mental health. But as you say, if it's just, I can understand that when it's in the community, I mean, there's historically been mistrust, uh, with black people anyway, when it comes to the medical profession or the medical professionals. Um, but I would encourage, as you said, Marcus, I would encourage people to, if they can, find uh, qualified people to talk because the more this stuff builds up, as we can both t- testify to, um, the, the more dangerous it becomes. I I, I agree, totally agree. Um but even then, there are problems, right? We just saw some data the other day about, um, you know, majority of black people facing racism from doctors and nurses in the NHS, um, which kind of makes me just, oh, my heart just yeah, sinks. Hard, and, and it also makes me think I'm not surprised. Um, but I know that obviously there are a lot of um, faith networks and churches offer mm. help um you know within your your congregation um and i and i know that in the educational sector particularly around higher education further education there is a, a support network um mm-hmm. where you can get counseling if you need it if you're feeling you know burnt out under pressure um but i also kind of want to wave the flag for uh for anyone who feels they can approach um, their own therapist obviously it means you've got a you know, stump up cash, but there is the um, British African and Asian Therapy Network, Barton, 
BWA. That's where I got my Brilliant. Mm. Um, my therapist is from Barton as well. Um, and uh, I mentioned them in, in the documentary. It's worth, if, if, if anybody's thinking, actually, I want to find someone, um, you know, from the same background as me. Mm. Um, it's not, it's not the silver bullet. It can't always be the silver exactly. bullet because I've heard of yeah. cases where people have gone, yeah, I've sat down, you know, I'm a black man. I've sat there with a, a man of Jamaican heritage as well. And it just, we didn't, we just didn't click. Mm. Um, for me, it worked. But that's, it's, that's a great network as well of, super qualified professionals um, who are more than ready to help as well. Because interestingly, even though, you know, your big corporate institutions uh, are offering access to therapists, I wonder how many therapists with cultural sensitivities True. are yeah, able to be accessed within those point. networks. Um, and the only reason I, I, the other reason I bring that up, I suppose, is because, I've spoken, you know, I've been working in higher education uh, for the last five, six years. And some students have said to me, I wouldn't have really liked to speak to a black or an Asian therapist myself as a student of ethnic minority. You know, I wanted to speak to someone from the same background as me because I felt that a white therapist, a counsellor, did not understand me. Mm. Um, so there's there's... And that's that. That's that's the same. Same goes for, you know, when I was at drama school. You know, nobody mentioned colour when I was at drama school. That was thirty years ago, but now drama schools are, you know, are really taking that on board and bringing in black directors, black playwrights, discussing issues of culture and colour and creed, and, and that's a sign of that's a positive sign because, unlike as I said when I was when I was there. Uh, it, it was sort of just kind of swept under the carpet. I, well, you know, I had I had no reference point, but um, that's changed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile. com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The statistics that both of you have um, uh, alluded to are are pretty shocking. You know, so... um, uh, we are, as black people, we are twice as likely to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms, PTSD. Um, uh, we are um, more likely to suffer, to have suffered from a mental health problem in any given week compared to our white counterparts. For black British people, it's 23%. Um, that's, that's almost a quarter are likely to have experienced some mental health issue in the last week compared to 17% of white British people. Black men, and this one is directly relevant um, to your story, David, black men are 3.2% have experienced some kind of psychosis um, compared to just 0.3% of of white men. You know, So it's a, an order of magnitude which you know, is, is quite shocking. Mm. Um, so I want to talk to you about the title of your book, um, David, which is Maybe I Don't Belong Here, mm. you know, which I thought was such a clever title, right? And in some ways depressing as well. Do you think that lying behind those stats that I've just quoted, do you think Britain is bad for our mental health being here? I think it certainly complicates our mental health, uh, without a doubt, certainly complicates our mental health. And we have to guard against um, uh, feelings of of hopelessness, feelings of, um, you know, it's been, it's been interesting, you know, this last week, and it, you know, it's very difficult, this is national mourning, the Queen's passing. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was very... British, very English. It felt like a very English experience. And, um, you know, whilst I can respect, uh, and I did, I do respect, you know, the Queen, um, it's all, it also felt sort of very, uh, I felt on the outside of it to, to, to a certain extent as well. And I noticed on Twitter anybody who gave any counter argument to issues of colonialism or racism was just crushed. It was, it was quite violent to, to come up with any other emotion other than deep sadness. You were crushed. And that just spoke to me of just how much we have to, this, this tightrope we have to walk in this country uh, of, which I mean, it's historically, I mean, my therapist and I call it in the book, I call it, it's, it's, it's a white space. We're very much in a white space. And um, if you kind of stand up or if you have, you know, counter arguments or if you see things another way, you're going to find it tough. You're going to find it very difficult. Uh, so the, the, the impetus to conform 
the pressure to conform, the pressure to assimilate, the pressure to see see life through the majority's eyes is enormous. Enormous. I've spent 10 years in America, doing extremely well in America. And I've come back to England and it's been slow. It's been really slow. And I've had to really guard against letting letting that uh letting all you know letting the the, the pace of of progress undermine my mental health it's not me it's the system but i could very easily just start saying to my maybe i'm just not good enough maybe i'm just not maybe it's over for me maybe i'm not that and you go down that road it's a spiral Been yeah down if that i road. get off the plane in la right now boom Boom, boom, boom. And things, things are happening. You feel hopeful. You feel seen. And sometimes I'm, when I'm here, you don't necessarily feel seen. Marv, this is a, a podcast, so people can't see you at home. <laughs> your but you have, your, your expressions, you have been <laughs> nodding frantically. Yes. You've been, you know, I can, I can see that you have, what David has just said has stirred up a lot in you. So... Please respond orally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, everything David said just blew my mind and just resonated so strongly because, um, you know, the the need to assimilate um, and kind of know your place. And we're just opening this door a little bit for you. Um, so you can just <laughs> pop in for a bit and then bye, move along. You know, I've experienced that as, as, as a journalist, a broadcaster, you know, working in television and radio for 20 years. You know, um, you kind of, um, you get your breaks because someone gives you a break, right? Um, and usually it's because, oh, wow, she's she's good, isn't she? Oh, she's, oh, she's a good black one. <laughs> that's sometimes how I feel like. <laughs> that's sometimes how I have felt in the past, actually. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that whole feeling of um, that that we are tolerated as black people um is still here and i i understand what you're saying about the um you know what we've lived through in the last couple of weeks in mourning the queen um the 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 the, the country the uh the the leaders of today you know leading our government are not ready um, to have any of the discussions that other people have wanted to have about the legacy of colonialism. Um, and also, we're in a situation at the moment that has been around since Brexit, I'd say, in that a real mm. strengthening and maybe tightening of um, the influence and power of right-wing media, which I think adds to totally. this whole... Um, feeling of of uh, of hostilities um and so it is really difficult to exist in 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 these spaces of of media and creativity and and you know be authentic but not be too authentic right we want it to be your you've got a code switch you know yeah. that's yeah. never going yeah. away um we want you to be your authentic self as as long as you it doesn't challenge me. Yeah, that's right. Too, too much. <laughs> yeah, David, I wanted to talk to you about um, something you talk about in your in your book, which is about the fact that you later found out 
I think it's in your book, that you later found out that you were oversubscribed um, yeah. the medication. <clears throat> and mm. in your medical notes, they mm. are constantly, there are racial stereotypes which are jotted down in your, in your medical notes mm. as well. Yeah. Um, so I'd just be curious if you could explain that and how it made you feel when you found out about that. So when I gave my, um, uh, when I gave my, my, my book to, uh, the consultant who was in my documentary, who, who she's a senior doctor in the, um, in Birmingham working in the mental health uh, sector. And she said, after reading it, she said, well, first of all, I have to tell you, do you understand you were given three times, three times the sort of normal dose of sedatives? I said, no. I said, but I knew I, at the time I was knocked out. And I wondered why that was. And she also said, she, you know, you're also referred to as a large black man several times throughout my book. Not David, not patient, you know, Mr. Harewood, large black man. And I, when, when I started talking about this, I was contacted by several mental health practitioners who work in the sector who said that that is standard practice, that most, most, uh, particularly black men who enter the mental health system, if there is, if there is a, if the predominantly the staff are made up predominantly of white nurses, there is an element of fear that grips them. And it is sort of standard practice to just up the dosage to, sedate to knock people out it isn't necessarily to there's no be medical benefit whatsoever it's just to sedate them because there's this fear of large potentially violent black males and this has been rife and I, i've even had people tell me that this is that even there that this is fact that and it's it's i think the book sort of threw a grenade in, into that question. And I was on a similar podcast uh, a start of last year where the senior nurses were saying, we have to address this issue because it does happen. And um, when people are sectioned, there's, there is a predominant, predominantly very few senior nurses of colour who can be of you know be about be a buffer be be there to sort of give orders be there to act as some sort of authority they're normally the people the nurses or the people doing the restraining they're not necessarily the people doing the prescribing so there needs to be a sort of rebalancing of that because i was extremely lucky going into them you know i was extremely lucky that i came out of the uh you know out of the system but Black people do get trapped in the system and entering, being sectioned is a really traumatic experience. And if you are racialized in that setting, it can be very, very dangerous and very, very explosive. And people have, people have died being medicated, being forcibly medicated in that situation. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't aware of that until I started really investigating my, medical records and um, 
I think me saying it has sort of sent a bit of a shockwaves um, th- through through the sector because people now know that it is it is happening and it shouldn't be happening. And and the stats, you know, so obviously before um, I was, was preparing before this podcast, I was preparing and doing my my little bit of research, and and the stats again are shocking in in this area and support everything that you're saying. So. Um, uh, Black British people are four times more likely. Four times more likely to be sectioned. To be sectioned. Um, uh, And they're ten times um, more likely to be under community treatment orders Mm. um, than white people. So they're put on drugs in in the community as well, you know. And it's just horrendous. Sorry, I'm so angry. Like, it's absolutely horrendous. So we're seen as these kind of... We, we just need to be subdued. Black people need to yeah. be subdued. Black men need to be subdued and kept quiet so that, for the fear that they're going to be violent, that something but awful but is going to happen. But, and then this is, this is not to offer any excuse at all, but this is just to, it, this is just to complicate that, that issue. If we go back to what we were saying at the start of this whole conversation, the resentments that do build up, the, the microaggressions that we experience, if that anger is building and building and building and building, and then you do experience um, some form of psychosis. You are pissed, and you and 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 that, that's why I say it is an explosive. Uh, it is an explosive area because when you are when you do let yourself go, as an, as I have done, luckily I'm an entertainer, so most of mine came out in joking and playing and and, all, and other other forms of sort of sort of assistance help if you were pissed um that could be a very explosive um concoction but, but surely when when that happens and i completely understand the the complicated nature that you're describing we need to be treated with love and, truly uh, you know truly. and not um truly. you know because the other stat um, that I have. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm the man with all the stats. Yeah, I love it. But, but the other <laughs> stat that I have is that we're four times more likely to be subject to restrictive interventions, basically mm. being held down and, and what have you, um, in hospitals than mm. our white counterparts. So mm. we are going to be, we are drugged more, we are sectioned more, we are then subject to more forcible being held down, etc. Mm. than our white counterparts, all the stats. And it is a complicated picture, but, you know, it's a very depressing, complicated so picture. The, the, the issue of criminalisation and mental health is also a major issue in this country. As you said, we should be treated with love, but the, the, the amount of, uh, of sick people who end up incarcerated is huge. It feels to me very much like... I don't know, it feels like something of an epidemic because where is the humanity and compassion first in someone who is unwell? It seems that some professionals just go, oh, black person, agitated, going to be violent towards me, don't want to deal with this or actually need to use 
even more false than normal because that's the only way I'm going to get through to them. It's completely irrational. And, and, and it, it does make me really angry that no one can just look at a, a fellow human being made of blood and bones and, you know, skin and just go, you're a fellow human. I need to help you. Let me help you in the best way I can, not mm. restrict, you know, over drug, um, send to, send to the police or uh, it's just, it's so frustrating. I mean, I personally find it in, incredibly hard to cry. You know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, it's just, it's just something which just doesn't come naturally to me. And I'm well aware that it's not that healthy <laughs> um, in, in not being able to express my emotions in, in that way. I'm curious, we're coming to an end of the podcast both of you, if you'd been able to give advice, David, when uh, you know when you were at drama school, so before your um, mental health episode, Marvereen, before um, what you describe as um, your episode, your mental health episode, as well in the early noughties, what advice would you give your younger self? What would you, yeah, um, Marv first. It's a really difficult question um, because as a young girl, I was shy, but also I did have a tiny little nugget of innate inner confidence. Um, and I guess I would probably say try and be less shy, try and open up more. Because I was always the, the quiet kind of um, book smart girl at school, just get on with the work and get the good grades and just go through the educational system. Um, but, you know, that being quiet all that time didn't serve me that well. And and now that I've, I'm now the total opposite of the little girl <laughs> that I was at school, you know, at Kitwell Juniors. Um I, I think I'm all the better for it. Um, but but I I think that I'm better for it because of life experiences and work experiences mm. and things that you did wrong and you realize I, I, I'm not going to do that again and and that and that you realize when speaking up and saying you're not feeling well emotionally and getting help transforms you into a better person. you know I, I, I want to say to my little Marv, don't be afraid to say something when something is troubling you. Don't keep it in. Okay, that's that's a that's a really good answer, which I think a lot of people will be able to um, relate to, and also hopefully um, uh, put into action in their own lives. David, what would be the advice to your younger self? Funny enough, I'm still in a relationship with that young person. I'm, uh, that's one of the things I've learned through therapy is that I have to take care of that young person because I never did. I never looked after him. I never looked after his, I never looked out for him. And I think that's what led me to the crash that I had. So now I spend most of my time looking after him and making sure he's okay. And, um, uh, so it's a conversation. I don't, it's, 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 it's a conversation with my, a continual conversation with my younger self. 
that I have just to love and care for yourself because so many of us don't. And we, um, you know, so, so I would just basically just tell, you know, I, I regularly tell him that I love him and that he's special and that he needs to look after himself. So, and that also there'll be tough times because you're young, you're indestructible. I was indestructible. And I guess I always thought that's how it would be, but you have to tell them. I would also tell him that there's also going to be some storms and there's also going to be some tough times and be prepared for those tough times because um, they're going to come. David, again, um, just to tell podcast listeners that you can't see us, but both Marv and I are almost tearing up. So, you know, <laughs> I don't really want to follow. Um, you don't cry. You don't cry. I know. I said I don't cry, but wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm gone. I'm sorry. I'm gone. I am gone. Yeah, yeah. I'm crying. Sorry. But okay. It's beautiful. Beautiful, David. Ooh, well, on that note, <laughs> Marveen, David, thank you so much for what joining. What a pleasure, Marveen. Thank you so much for coming on today it's thank real pleasure. you and, um, and 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 it's great hearing another soul black soul talking about mental health it's great to be in this and being honest and being open about it it's makes us makes me feel less weird thank you no. it's been um, an honor to be part of this and to and to be with you on this as well david and or, or maybe the the lesson is we're we're all a bit weird and we need yeah. to accept that <laughs> Yeah. True. Okay. So we'll, we'll retitle the podcast Black, British, and Weird Matters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, David. Thank, Thank you so you very much. much. Thank you. That was Thank great. You. Thank you. Okay, Lenny. I've managed to pull myself together now since recording that episode. Um, listening to the discussion, tell me what you made of it. Marcus, let me tell you, in many ways, it was a good thing that you recorded that one without me because I would have been blubbering. Although maybe that would have been a good thing. It was truly inspirational to hear you all speak personally and lay out the mountain there is to climb in terms of mental health awareness and provision for black people in the UK. It was amazing. 100% agree. Now, before we go any further, I think it's really important to shout out a few organisations and places people can go for help if they're experiencing any mental health issues or want to help other people close to them. Black Minds Matter is an important charity connecting black individuals and families with free mental health services by professional black therapists to support their mental health. And they can be reached very easily online at blackmindsmatter.com. Then there's the charity Mind, who provide advice and support to empower anyone experiencing a mental health problem. They also campaign to improve services, raise awareness and promote understanding. And you can get in contact with them via their website at mind.org.uk. Mind were actually the source of a lot of the stats I was quoting throughout the episode as well. There's also the Black, African and Asian Therapy Network, if you're specifically looking for a therapist of colour. And their website is baatn.org.uk. Thanks, Lenny. Those are some really helpful and useful places people can access help. Now, Lenny, tell us about the next podcast episode. I'm going to do that. Next week, I'll be joining you to record an episode that is far too close to my heart, or more accurately, my stomach. Black British food matters. From jerk chicken to jollof rice to fish and chips. 
What does our food and diet tell us about being black and British? This will be one tasty episode. You see what I did there? Leave the jokes to the professionals. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.